What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Whole Nine Draft Podcast. I am your host, Josh Berg. Joining me again is Alex. Alex, how you doing tonight? I'm so tired, man. This has been a long week, um, but I'm excited for the combine to get rolling. Uh, will give me a nice little respite from all this school stuff I've had going on. So you know, I'm oh, ready for for sure. It's been and that we thought we had a consistent schedule, and then my job just decided to screw with me. Um, so. It's it's been a long couple days um, to say job. the least. It I honestly do. I just no fuck it. Hey, know what they should do? They should just sign up for Patreon, and boom, I can make this True. my full time job. Crap. Look at that! Look at that stupid plug right there. Um. Anyways, we've got a combine preview episode for uh, you guys today. It's all about the combine. We're gonna give you guys our uh, most to gain and most to lose for at each position group. Um, that'll be at the Combine in Indianapolis this week. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be doing some uh, cool stuff over on Twitter. It's going to be a great time. This is one of the my favorite events of the year, and uh, they moved it to primetime this year, so I think it's going to be an interesting uh, change for sure, which yeah, kind of kind of screws me being working nights, but I'll figure it out. Yeah, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But, you know, before we get into the episode where we're going to break down, I think, a total of 18 prospects. 20. Um, 20. Look at that. That's right, because we picked two receivers. Um, it's do. It's going to be a jam-packed show full of a lot of in-depth scouting reports. Um, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but before, you know, we do that, make sure you guys go plug the social media. Follow me on Twitter, at JoshBerg0611, Alex, at Alex Katzen. Uh, go follow the pod at WN Draft Pod. We'll have a position spotlight up for you guys. Um, by the time this episode is out, we'll have a, a spotlight coming out. Hopefully, the day after, um, we'll get that out. So go ahead and vote on that when that comes out. Go over to HomelineSports.com and uh, check out the latest articles. I had a mock draft drop on Monday, um, so that was a lot of fun to write. It was a two rounder with some trades in it. Um, some that made sense, others that really didn't. But hey, it's all about experimenting, having some fun there. Alex has an XFL Week 3 review article up, and we're also going to have a ton of Combine preview articles being put pushed out the rest of this week as well, so go check those out. Absolutely. And while you're on Whole9Sports.com, if you decide you like what you're reading, um, we've recently launched a GoFundMe to uh, help pay to expand the company. Uh, we're looking to make some merch, get some exclusive content out for you guys, uh, things like that. If you don't want to just pay us a lump sum you can also head to our brand new patreon exactly um, where you can sub for one five or ten dollars a month get some exclusive content from us uh, and help us expand and grow into a uh, bigger outlet for you guys because we love making this content for you so yeah we eventually at least i know for me we want to be able to make these our full-time responsibilities and jobs uh after college happens um you know we're big big draft guys and i know what brandon has been able to build has been absolutely incredible at home. I know that I'm super thankful to be uh, working with this great group of guys and uh, being able to work with Alex has been has been a great time. So we just want to keep on expanding, keep giving you guys more content, um, more reasons to stick around. And so those are two great ways to go ahead and do those, uh, do that. Um, and then obviously follow Whole Nine Sports on Twitter as well, at Whole Nine Sports. Um, we'll have, like I said, all the information for the GoFundMe and the Patreon will also be on Twitter. Um, so you guys can go ahead and find more information out there or on the website. But that's all of the plugs that I have. Um, I don't think I forgot anything. And if I did, it'll be in the description thing down below. 
but we've got uh, some some prospects to talk about. Yeah, we do. Um, so the way this is going to work, uh, we went through each position group. So that's quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, defensive line, edge rusher, linebacker, and defensive back. Um, for wide receiver, we picked two guys for each category. Uh, the two categories are most to gain and most to lose. So basically for all the all the position groups except wide receiver, where like I said, we picked two, we picked one guy who we think has the most to gain this week in Indianapolis and one guy who has the most to lose. Um, we're going to get right into it and start with quarterback, the most important position in football. Um, most to gain, we picked... A guy who we don't necessarily like that much, but I think his traits are going to entice some teams this week, and that's Jordan Love from Utah State. Josh, what do you have to say about this? Yeah, I don't like admitting that Jordan Love has a high ceiling um, because we I've gone over this a million times. Um, I am not the biggest Jordan Love fan. Um, with that being said, what the Combine tests for really helps out Jordan Love. Um absolutely. Because he's not going to be thrown into mental processing drills. Um you know, they're going to look for arm strength, accuracy, and mobility. And he's got traits and upside in all three of those categories. Um accuracy obviously a little bit iffy. Um but I think with Burrow not going to throw with Tua still being hurt, Jordan Love will have the spotlight on him during workouts and if he's able to sling the ball 60, 65 yards downfield, he's going to turn some heads and prove his stock. And I don't like admitting it because I think there are some significant flaws in his game that the Combine doesn't test for that still are evident on film. Um, but there's no doubting the amount of ceiling that he can showcase this week. Oh, excuse me. You good? Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think you pretty much touched on everything that I was going to say. Um, the combine is built for guys like Jordan Love. Really. Exactly. Um, you know, he will have to do a little bit of mental processing stuff in the whiteboard uh, interviewing type stuff that he's going to have to do this week. But I don't think that he's going to do poorly enough on that um, where it's going to necessarily take away from all the stuff he's going to do on the field. Because like you said, he's... I mean, he's got a cannon for an arm, um, pretty mobile. His accuracy is, you know, a little bit here and there, but I feel like, you know, you're kind of – the receivers are running out routes against air for the most part during the combine. So, you know, if you can't won't hit see those, those are concerning. Of, yeah, exactly. You know, and so, like, that is a part where you get concerned about it. And so I think for the most part, the buzz that you're going to be hearing after the combine with Jordan Love is that – for those people that don't think he's a first-rounder at this stage, I think he's going to cement himself as a first-rounder, um, especially with the value of the quarterback position. For those of him, for those people that already think he's a first-rounder, I think you could see him move even further up, not necessarily like within his own position. I think people that have him in the first round generally has him, have him as QB3 already. But I think that you could see him move up just the overall board to the point where, or sorry, not QB3, QB4. QB4. I always forget about Joe Burrow because he's just kind of a given. Pretty much. Um, but Burrow, Tua, and then Justin Herbert. Um, so QB4, but he could move up into that kind of like top 10, top 15 range. Um, you know, kind of close the gap between those top three guys um, for people that already think he's a first rounder. So I think he's 
he's going to, I think his stock is going to increase as long as he has like, even just like a solid week this week. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to call you out there at the end of your spiel. If you, uh, if you had him at QB three, um, but you caught yourself. So I'm, I'm proud of you, but yeah, like I hate admitting it cause I'm a pretty stubborn guy. Um, but I will be absolutely shocked if I'm not blown away by Jordan love this week, because this, yeah. this is the type uh-huh. of week, like you mentioned that he is meant to have the spotlight on him and he's going to be the talk of the week and he's going to have the expectations, <clears throat> excuse me, the expectations, um, to have this outstanding week. So if anything less than that from him, I think would be a disappointment. And I don't think he disappoints um, because, like you said, the, the combine's built for all of his traits to just be shown. I don't have a fancy segue for um, this one. I tried, unless you no, have one. I don't, I don't either. I was thinking about it. Um, but the guy that we did pick as the most to lose at the quarterback position is someone who... I think draft Twitter has been kind of equally split on. Um, that's Jake Fromm from Georgia. I don't like him necessarily. I don't. My problem with him is I think he has a very low ceiling, right? Um, I think he's just kind of kind of be fine for his entire career. And he I don't could really be know. At best, like, Andy Dalton. Yeah, basically, right. And I don't really know how to value that. Obviously, Andy Dalton was a second round pick, but it's like, do you want to take Jake Fromm in the second round? I think he'd probably end up there because of the way that the board is going to fall. But I think we were talking about the combine test. The combine is built for guys like Jordan Love. The combine is not built for guys like Jake Fromm. Exactly what I was going to say. Jake Fromm is pretty much the polar opposite of Jordan Love um, in that respect, in the sense that like Jake Fromm is going to mentally process very well. Um, he manages a game very well, but he doesn't have like the – eye-popping athleticism, the eye-popping arm strength, uh, any of that sort of stuff that's going to show up on the field for like the on-field workouts that the general public is going to see. And so I think for that reason, like people who are kind of on the fence about him might end up kind of on the wrong side of it uh, per se. And I think you could see evaluations of him from people in the community fall to like you know an early day three late day two sort of evaluation like i said i do think that the nfl is going to value him a little bit higher uh, obviously they have more information they're going to see the whiteboarding um and i do think he's going to still like end up in like the second round maybe fall to the third round depending on how some of these other guys look but i think he's going to pretty much fall completely out of that first round conversation well and i think when you're evaluating jake from when you're watching him play there isn't any first round traits from him other than to me what he's going to bring on the whiteboard so i think because i think he's going to be someone that is incredibly smart he's going to be able to talk his way through different plays although his play doesn't always show it he makes some dumbfounded mistakes at times um for the most part he seems like he's a very smart quarterback but teams are going to see him on the field and he's not going to have any of those wowing traits that the combine tests for. His arm strength is my biggest concern with him. I don't think his arm is anything but slightly average. Um, and he doesn't have the super high athletic upside that a guy like Herbert or Love has. I think that he's someone that's kind of... His draft stock to me is kind of just stuck where it's at. Um, in between rounds two and three. I think that... I, I know I came into the year really wanting to see growth from him 
Um, and I just didn't see it at all this year, um, which yeah. it really disappointed me because I really loved him his uh, redshirt freshman and redshirt sophomore years. I thought he looked a lot better than he did this past year, but I didn't see improvement, and I think that's going to scare teams away. And like like I mentioned, this he doesn't have the traits that's going to wow you this week in Indianapolis. It's just it's not the type of player that he is. Yeah. Uh, can I tell you a fun story about Jake Fromm? Absolutely. The first time I tried to watch his tape, I fell asleep. <laughs> uh, granted, it was 2 o'clock in the morning during the middle of the summer, but I I always tell that story because his film just bores the it, crap out of me. It's nothing special. It's a lot of check <laughs> just, downs and yeah. slants. It's, it's not... You, there's not any of these plays that make you like write down in your scouting report notes that he has anything special. He just is a, he's a serviceable game manager. Yeah, definitely. Uh, moving now to running back. Uh, we're going to go back to the guy that has the most to gain. This is someone who, if you follow whole nine sports on Twitter, which if you don't, what are you doing? Um, at whole nine sports. Yeah. So if you follow us on Twitter, you, you know about this guy already because Brandon is a huge fan of him. Um, I actually think there's going to be a piece this will come out on Wednesday morning, so either um, the piece will either already be out or it'll be coming out on Thursday, um, and that's about Sewell Alana Lua, the running back from TCU. Uh, Brandon's piece is on both of them, Sewell Alana Lua and uh, Darius Anderson. Love Darius Anderson. Yeah, Alana Lua is going to test like a freak. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's on. So he was on Bruce Feldman's freaks list uh, for 2019. Uh, 40 inch vertical jump some ridiculous weightlifting numbers um, just an absolute massive human being too looks like he should run like be a guy that runs with a lot of power and just kind of like be that like guy you run up the middle he gets five yards cloud of dust do it over again rinse <laughs> frank <and repeat>. gore <laughs> um yeah he looks like he should be frank gore but he's not but he's not he has like he has a lot of explosiveness a lot of like lateral agility ability to his game too um works with footwork king footwork king says has said that he trains him like he trains Le'Veon bell because he views them as basically the same player wow um which is super super high praise yeah (laughs) obviously obviously footwork king uh pounds the table for his guys so of course he does you know take that as you will but i think alonlu is a name that you know some more casual members of the community might not know at this stage i think because he's kind of like he's kind of like more of a deep sleeper kind of guy didn't get invited to any of the all-star games despite being a senior um there are some off-field i wouldn't call them issues but like concerns with him um got suspended for the first half of the first game in 2019 for an off the field incident so he will have to answer for that in interviews but I feel like his testing is going to be so, so, so insane that his stock is going to skyrocket. I think you can think of it kind of like Alex Barnes at last year's Combine. That's fair. Where no one really knew who that guy was. And then he put out the week that he put out. And then all of a sudden people were like, draft this guy in like the fourth round. Right. And then he went. He ended up get, going undrafted. But I feel like Alana Lua can kind of hold on to that momentum and kind of build on that. And I think he will end up being uh, early to mid day three pick. I think. Well, and I think we look at um, this running back class, and the way that I'm looking at it, outside of the top guys that we really be talking about, 
a lot of the money is going to be made when you you're taking a guy on day three so you're going to want someone that's going to have these traits and the and the upside that and you're going to look back at the combine and see who tested well versus who didn't, especially in those later rounds. That's when that's when I think the combine really starts to matter is when everyone's film's very similar as far as a grade, and you have to go looking at the combine. Say with someone that his combine numbers are going to help him. Kind of like you mentioned, Alex Barnes was someone that we really didn't talk about, and obviously he went undrafted, but he created a talking point, and people were mentioning him you know, in draft circles. And... He's kind of the forgotten TCU guy because everyone's super excited about uh, Jed Anderson, and rightfully so. Right. I think, you know, Say was going to be someone, like you mentioned, that not a lot of people are going to expect to test well if they just look at him. But for those that have watched his film and see the explosiveness that he does present, I think he's going to shock a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. Um, someone that's built in kind of the same mold as Saywell Lonalua, but who I don't think is going to test nearly as well, and hence he's the guy that has the most to lose, is A.J. Dillon from Boston College. Um, another guy who people... I've seen some people categorize him as just a pure fullback. Um, obviously, another huge guy. Um, <clears throat> I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I want to say somewhere... Something like 6'2", 247, I think. Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, so, like, big guy. Uh, kind of is that prototypical. Okay, yeah. Uh, six foot and three-eighths, 247. So, I got the weight right. Good <laughs> job. Like, like I was saying, um, someone who runs with a lot of power, runs kind of just straightforward, doesn't really do a whole lot else. I feel like if he runs a slow 40 um, and like performs well in the strength test but doesn't perform as well in the lateral agility test, I think you could kind of see that steam for him just being a fullback kind of continue to grow um, and eventually like um, kind of lower his stock to the point where it's like you're looking at teams like the Steelers who might take like a fullback H-back type guy you know, teams that kind of want to emulate the success of the Niners with Kyle Juszczyk might take him. But, like, he's not going to be taken as, like, a power running back at that point. You're taking him as a fullback. Right. Um, and then kind of using him as, like, a mismatch at fullback, um, which, obviously, being a fullback instead of being a running back kind of limits your ceiling as far as being a draft prospect goes. Um, and so I think if he tests poor, not even poorly necessarily, but Average. just not as good as some of these other guys, that, that talk is going to pick up. And that's going to be something that he's going to have to overcome. Um, so that's why he's the guy with the most to lose here. Well, and I also think that something to note is he was not a receiver at uh, Boston College. The most receptions he had at all, I think, was a 13 this past year. So yeah. teams already coming in have significant questions about his versatility as a ball carrier, if what he offers in the receiving game. So now if he all of a sudden doesn't have this great explosive speed that I don't think either of us expect him to really show in the 40 or in any uh, lateral movement drills, like you mentioned, he, the talk of him being a pure fullback is in the in you know in the discussion. I kind of gave I, he kind of reminds me of a lesser version of another Boston College running back a couple years ago when Andre Williams, um, mm -hmm. big bulky guy but he doesn't have any of these big explosive traits that you want in a running back. Uh, wasn't a great receiver, didn't have elite speed. So he's going to be, and Andre Williams, I believe, is out of the league now. So um, Yeah, I think so. He was just this big guy that 
you know, had a lot of carries, had a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns. That's really what Dylan was in college too. Um, so I think the limitations you're going to see with him, I'm not so sure if he'd be going like strictly to a fullback, but he might be limited to a goal line back in the NFL and teams are not going to want to draft a goal line back or a fullback, you know, early, you know, round three, round four, you could see him, you know, be taken behind guys like Sewu um, or other guys that test well and have some versatility. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Andre Williams is in the XFL now. For is he, is he now? Well, good, good for him. He's on the best team in the XFL. Good for Go him. Go read my XFL piece. Of course. <laughs> Moving now to wide receiver. Uh, we picked two guys for each of these categories. So I guess let's do the two most to gain and then the two most yep. to lose. Uh, so the first guy we wrote down as the most to gain this week is Isaiah Hodgins. Uh, that's the Oregon State wide receiver. We kind of went back and forth on a lot of these big body guys um, that are going to be at the combine this week. You know, him, Michael Pittman, like some some of those lesser known guys like Antonio Gandy Golden. Love like, Gandy uh, Golden. Even like a John Hightower type of guy uh, who's a little bit smaller but kind of plays the same game. Basically, the idea here is that if one of them, and we picked Hodgins as the most likely guy to do it. Um, if one of them tests really well, they're going to kind of be able to separate themselves out of that pack that right now that there is in kind of the middle tier of this wide receiver class. Yeah. Where like they all kind of do similar things. They're all kind of these jump ball receivers, make contested catches, really good body control, really big frames, uh, kind of underdeveloped route running, didn't play a lot against a lot of press. Um, but if one of them tests really well and you're like, oh, I can turn this guy into a really good route runner because his three cone time was good. Obviously, three cone doesn't mean everything. Just as DK Metcalf. <laughs> um, but just as a general concept, you know, if his three cone is good, his 20 shuttles good. If he looks good in drills, looks good moving laterally, then I think you could see one of those guys rise up boards and kind of, like I said, separate themselves from the rest of the pack. And I think that ends up as a second round value. Um, you know, whereas most of these guys are kind of stuck in like that third, fourth round range. Yeah. And I think, you know, with Hodgins, there's been talks in the draft circle, excuse me, about him having the best or one of the best, uh, hands in this receiving group. Um, yeah, because his body controls insane. He is really good at going up and getting the football. Like you mentioned, it's going to be all about how he tests and how he looks and drills with his footwork and his release off the line. Because I think when we look at, when we're talking about a lot of these uh, bigger receivers, and I know I'm a big Antonio Gandy Golden fan, but one of my ma- major concerns with him was he doesn't get off the line particularly well. He struggles getting off to a great start on his uh, routes, and it takes him a little bit to get developed downfield before he can create separation. Um, if right. I, <clears throat> excuse me, if Hodgins is able to showcase that he can do that better than these other guys. I think he's someone that, who's kind of being looked at around like round three, round four, can be pushed into that round two discussion with you know guys like Michael Pittman and other guys that we mentioned. Yeah, definitely. Um, the other guy we picked as the most to gain is kind of a deep sleeper. I picked this one because I really like this guy. I really like the uh, the story behind this. Uh, that's Malcolm Perry from Navy. Um, he's very small. I almost couldn't believe that he played quarterback at Navy because he came in as like he came in so small um let's see 
five nine and a half, one eighty six. Jesus, is what he measured in at at the combine uh, yesterday. <clears throat> so he's transitioning now to playing slot receiver. Obviously, Navy runs a triple option, so quarterback doesn't really mean the same thing necessarily as it does in a traditional sense. Um, but he is trans- transitioning to slot receiver now. You see a lot of the service academy quarterbacks do this. Uh, Keenan Reynolds did it. Obviously, he's now in the XFL. He's with the Seattle Dragons. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think seeing him in wide receiver drills um, at the combine is going to be a really key part, I think, for him. Just seeing how he moves as a wide receiver, how obviously like his, I don't think his testing is going to matter as much as his on-field workouts. I agree. Um, just watching him, watching him move as a wide receiver and kind of seeing if that's a spot at which he can stick. Obviously, he's only been training as a wide receiver since I think really only like January. I know yeah, he I think it was wide like receiver a, at the Shrine around Bowl. All-Star, you um, know, yeah. event time. But he really hasn't been playing wide receiver for very long. But I feel like if he looks good, some team might take like a late round flyer on him, see what they have in him, maybe stash him on the practice squad for a couple of years, develop him, and see uh, what they can get. And I, so I think, yeah, I think if he looks good, he's going to get drafted. And if he looks average or bad, he's not. So yeah, that I seems think, like a lot to gain to me. Yeah, I think that's pretty much straightforward. I agree with pretty much everything uh, that you said there. Um, the guys that we have to lose. Um, we're going to start with Jeff Thomas um, out of Miami. And it's strictly because of we don't know how he's going to interview. Um, he had he's some also off- very small. He, I mean, he's a tiny guy. Um, but he had some off-field issues that he's going to have to answer questions for. Um, we don't exactly know um, how what his perspective on what happened. I don't exactly have the notes right in front of me. Um, I don't either. I don't I, exactly but we know he had some sort of character concerns so he's gonna have to answer to nfl teams to that and then also like you mentioned he's really small so how he's gonna hold up against like we mentioned with like guys like hodgins how he's gonna look uh compared to these bigger guys is going to be something that uh i just i don't know how well he will hold up against those other guys yeah um thomas came in at five eight and seven eights and 170 So 5'9", 170, basically, um, which is a little bit roughly the same size as KJ Hamler. He's a little bit taller and weighs a little bit less. But he's also Uh, less dynamic of a playmaker. Yeah, but he's also not as good as KJ Hamler is. In really Um, anything. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And so 5'9", 170, and a guy who has character concerns, it's going to be kind of an uphill battle for him, especially... um, with these interviews this week, depending on how those go. And so I think if he doesn't like knock it out of the park with these interviews, given that he's already measured in as this small, I think you could see him kind of tumble out of the draft entirely, depending on how these interviews go. And so it's going to be a really key aspect for him this week. For sure. Um, The other guy that we chose for most to lose is actually someone that's not working out um, due to injury. And that's Colin Johnson. Um, we talked about Colin Johnson a little bit. We got to watch him at the Senior Bowl. He looked really good um, for the most part in Mobile. Um, we were really impressed with his ability to create separation, and we saw improvements of him just overall refining his game as a receiver. But the one main issue with him has been you no know, availability. He's had some injury concerns past couple seasons, and now he's hurt again. So he 
for us putting him here, it's because he we feel like him testing was so crucial for him, um, seeing what he was going to be able to run, um, seeing him you know make cuts and become a better overall uh, route runner. Him not being able to work out this week in Indianapolis, it kind of I feel like it limits his draft ceiling as opposed to where he could have really separated himself. Yeah. So um, the the thing that concerns me about it isn't necessarily that he's not working out. It's the fact that he's not working out because of a new injury. Yeah. So he missed six games this year because of a hamstring injury. But then he played in the Senior Bowl, looked pretty good at the Senior Bowl, honestly, looked fluid, mm-hmm. um, and now isn't working out of the combine because of a hip flexor issue. Um, so it's a completely different issue. This is like his third or fourth lower body injury that he's dealt with in the last couple of years, I think. Um, and like you said, availability is the best ability. <laughs> as yeah, cliche as that, that is, cliche. Right? Yeah, but so I think, like you said, having him not work out of the combine just kind of brings up even more questions about whether or not he's going to be a durable player for you in the NFL. Um, And so I think that is going to limit his ceiling. And I think you could see him fall below that kind of tier of guys that we were talking about when we were talking about Isaiah Hodgins, you know, Hodgins, Pittman, Denzel Mims, Gandy Golden. I think you would see Colin Johnson fall below those guys because of the injury concerns. I think if he's able to stay healthy, he might end up being the best player of all those guys. For sure. But at this point in time, you just can't rely on him staying healthy, I feel like. And I just, like, he is such a good player when he's on the field. I mean, he's been talked about really in draft circles for two, three years um, as being, you know, a top-tier receiver. And then the injuries really started to pile on pretty quickly for him. And like you mentioned, it's not that he re- uh, re-injured his hamstring because teams already knew that it's the fact that it's another right. new injury that is going to put some more red flags on him with it he when he already had more than his fair share yeah definitely uh moving now to the tight end group uh the guy that we picked as most again is someone who we saw at the senior bowl uh that's steven sullivan from lsu i picked this because i it's kind of the same rationale as the malcolm perry pick at wide receiver I want to see what Steven Sullivan looks like in tight end drills. I thought he looked good at the Senior Bowl. Um, I think if he can build on that momentum at the Combine, you know, in the on-field drills where, like, you see an actual, like, you see a guy who's been playing tight end for a long time run the drill. And then you see Sullivan do it right afterwards. And then right after Sullivan, you see another guy who's played tight end for a long time do the drill. And you can kind of compare those three data points. I think that's going to be a really nice point of comparison for him. I think he's going to test really well, obviously, as a former wide receiver. I think he's going to kind of blow some of these other tight ends out of the water. But we kind of expect that. And so I don't really think he's necessarily going to gain anything from that. I think, again, it's going to be on-field drills for him and just seeing how he moves as a tight end, seeing if he's adapted to the position at this point. Um, And I think if he looks like he has, he's someone that could be a really high upside player and someone that I'm going to be really high on in this process. Yeah, I think... We are both higher on him than the community really is because, you know, you see him being a lot lower on some boards. I really like his upside because I think he can be a dynamic vertical threat um, in an NFL offense. The Like I said, you, the, the only real question with him is how has he adapted to the tight end position as a whole, but we've seen really 
some you know higher quality tight ends be these these big athletic um, receivers um, for the most part. And I think Sullivan can play that well, uh, role really well in the NFL. Like like you mentioned, he's going to test a lot better than a lot of these tight ends because he has that wide receiver background. Um, so I think he's someone's that testing numbers aren't going to mean a whole lot because we kind of expect him to be head and shoulders above everyone else, or at least in the top tier. So I think what's going to be crucial for him is just seeing him acclimated in the position of tight end and hopefully him continuing to make strides to, you know, continuing to refine the the position. Yeah. Um, moving now to the guy with the most to lose at the tight end spot. Um, we picked a guy from Josh's native Missouri. Uh, that's Albert Okweg Bunam. Uh, Josh, you're the Mizzou guy, so take the lead. I I honestly cannot even pronounce um, his Oak name Uweg his Bunam. his name right. I I'm not even going to try to do it. Um, we call him Albert O here at Mizzou, but yeah. um, you know Albert O. We kind of picked him because coming into the season, um, when you looked in draft circles and you know you're online, you know whether you're on. Bleach Report or Whole Nine or wherever you're at, um, he was kind of like, I don't want to say a consensus, but he was someone that was in like your normal like top two, top three tight ends coming into the year, and then he really struggled this year. Um, he's an athletic guy, but his production really slowed this year. So I don't think he's necessarily going to test horribly, but I think the way that you know his uh, his play was not great this year. And I think that the tight end position as a whole got a lot deeper since we've seen him, you know, as the at the top. I think that what we all thought was special about him has now just become kind of like everyone else now already has that, um, you know, the athletic, the athleticism ability to, um, you know, go up and get balls. And I also don't think he's great in line when some of these other guys are better in line. So I think that overall it's just going to be scheme um with interviews is going to be where he's going to play um is he going to be able to be you know a full functional tight end and i think like i mentioned if he's now going to be someone that we thought was this big athletic freak well now we've got three or four different big athletic guys that can go catch the football you know in this tight end class he's i feel like he's just going to be a name that's going to get lost in the shuffle and i'm i like alberto but it's just just the way it is yeah, definitely. Uh, I like Alberto too. You know, um, I watched, <clears throat> I watched a lot of his film from twenty eighteen. Yeah, and I it was a good film. Lock, um, you know, yeah, great film. Obviously, Drew Lock was throwing in the ball this year. They had Kelly Bryant. Uh, I don't know how you felt about the Kelly Bryant experience, but it didn't seem like it went quite as well. I thought it would have gone better. Got fired. Yeah. So coming into this year, I think I had Alberto as tight end one, as I think a lot of people did. But I think, like you said. People have just kind of surpassed him at this point. We're like, his production went down, and so we kind of turned our eyes elsewhere, and we're like, oh, wow, here's this other athletic freak that kind of does the same thing. Oh, wow, here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. Um, you know, like you look at Stephen Sullivan, like we just talked about, you know, super athletic, can kind of do that sort of stuff. Adam Troutman from Dayton uh, is kind of a guy that came on the radar man. at the end of the season, kind of does that same sort of stuff. Um, Harrison Bryant, who won the Mackey. You know, there's a couple other guys who can do those sorts of things. And so I think, I don't think Alberto is going to test well enough to separate himself from those guys. Uh, I think if anything, they're going to test well enough to separate themselves That's from exactly him. exactly what I'm thinking. And so I think if, 
if that happens, I think you could see his stock, you know, kind of continue to fall the way that it has over the course of the season. And so I think this is going to be an important week for him. And I think it'd be di- we'd be having a different uh, conversation if he had momentum coming into the combine. Um, mm-hmm. But we he doesn't. He didn't have—I think it was his least productive season this year at Mizzou. I could be wrong on that. But I think as far as uh, receptions and yardage, I think it was his lowest. Um, obviously, different quarterback. Um, Drew Locke got a way better arm than Kelly Bryant does, but— production wise and then as far as the depth of position i think it's just caught up to him because i feel like he's a very at this point a one-dimensional player yeah um moving now to the offensive line there's a lot of offensive linemen that are gonna be at the combine but we did just stick to one per position per uh per category the guy that we picked as the most to gain this week was matt pert the offensive tackle from uconn and the reason why we picked this mainly is because he had some freakish measurables this morning. Um, I don't know if y'all saw these, but he measured in at 6'6 and 5'8, 318, nine and a half inch hands, 36 and 5'8 arms, and an 86 and a half inch wingspan. Big dude. That man's a bird. <laughs> <laughs> um, we saw Matt Pert at the Senior Bowl. I thought he looked decent, but not like necessarily. Like, he didn't win the Senior Bowl week, necessarily. Right. I thought there were some other players that outperformed him. But he did kind of have those same measurables. Um, we just didn't take note of them at the time because Senior Bowl weigh-ins happened at 6 in the morning. Everyone was asleep. And then Alex Taylor happened, and Alex Taylor's wingspan is 88 inches, which is even crazier. Uh, Taylor's much rawer from a technique standpoint, though, which I think is why Pert has so much to gain this week. Because I think Pert is someone who... No one really watched a lot of UConn because they were terrible this year, so no one wanted to watch them. But I think if you like kind of grit your teeth and you go through it, you see a guy who like the technique is there for him. I feel like I think so too. Um, and so that technique paired with these insane, insane measurables, I think you could see him kind of sneak into that top tier of the second round, maybe even sneak into like the first round conversation, depending on how some of those other like lower tier first round guys do, you know, like Austin Jackson, Josh Jones, those sorts of guys, or just even if all of them perform really well. And then all of a sudden you have like six offensive tackles, you know, six, seven offensive tackles going in the first round. I don't think that's out of the question. Obviously that might sound a little bit crazy to people listening to this, but I don't think it's completely out of the question. And I think if he performs really well, I think you'll start to see that more and more. Yeah, so he's kind of been, like, firm for me in, like, offensive tackle, like, eight or nine. Um, I had him at the end of round two um, in my latest mock. And I think, like, you've touched on pretty much everything. I think his measurables are just insane. If he can capitalize on the upside that we think he has from an athleticism and technique perspective— He's going to be someone that's going to rise, you know, upper round two and maybe late round one. I think I had him going to Seattle uh, in my mock. Um, You know, you could see him instead of, you know, going at the end of round two to Seattle, maybe Seattle takes a flyer on him, you know, round one, because they like to do that sometimes with with mm, prospects that might have like a round two grade. You know, they they take in round one. So I think he's going to be someone that definitely the measurables has already created a talking point for him now it's just time to kind of capitalize on uh, the buzz and go out there and you know prove that he can be a top tier offensive lineman in this class which i think he has all the fundamental tools to do so for our most unless you have something else to say about pert i totally just 
cut no, you go off. Ahead. Go ahead. So for our most to lose, we picked someone that the community kind of has fallen off of, and that's Tyler Biotish, um from Wisconsin. And we've kind of all fallen off of him because we feel he's just a center um, in the NFL. I certainly do. Um, you know, he doesn't have great mobility. I don't think he's going to test well. And I think if teams are going to want to take him, they're going to they're going to be strictly looking for a center. And I don't know where he's at as far as scheme versatility. I think you're going to plug him at center and play him. If he runs a lot better and looks more fluid than uh, than we expect, then maybe teams can start to potentially look to play him at guard. But I just I think he's strictly a center at this point, which already hurts his stock. And then I just don't think he's going to test that well from a mobility and athletic standpoint where he's just going to continue to kind of pigeonhole this self, himself into this range where he can't really go any higher than maybe mid to late round three and be his, you know, be around the round four range. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'm going to spoil my article that's coming out on Thursday morning a little bit. So I had the pleasure of writing about the interior offensive lineman for our combine preview series. Like I said, that'll be up on Thursday morning. So go check that out once it drops. But one of the uh, sections of my article that I had was make or break. And it was basically, I picked a player and I said, this is the drill where this drill is going to make or break their stock. And I picked Tyler Biotis and his 10-yard split in the 40. Um, a lot of people say, oh, why do you even have offensive linemen run the 40? They never have to sprint 40 yards down the field. But a lot of NFL teams take the 10-yard split of that 40 and use it to kind of evaluate offensive linemen's explosiveness and their ability to move in like that like kind of phone booth-type space. Um, and I think for Biotis... If he has a good 10-yard split, then the conversation about maybe you can play him at guard kind of comes back. We've been very adamant on this podcast about think, about saying we think he's a pure center, and that's why we're both low on him at this stage, is because we think he's a pure center, and not only do we think he's a pure center, but there are a couple other pure centers who have outperformed him both during over the course of the season and now kind of in the pre-draft process where you know he's just kind of fallen off. If he has a bad 10-yard split and he cements the fact that he's just a pure center, I think you could see him fall all the way to day three. I think you could see him in like the fourth, fifth round. Because then at that point you have Lloyd Cushenberry, you have Cesar Ruiz, you have Matt Hennessy, you might have guys like Keith Ismail even, if he tests really well this week, that all play center and all have outperformed him at one stage or another. And all have gotten more eyes on them because they've been to these all-star games that Beatis didn't have access to because he's an underclassman. And so, like you said, I don't think he's going to have a good 10-yard split. I don't think he's going to test that great. And so then at that point, the last remaining people who are like, oh, yeah, well, you can just play him at guard and it'll be fine. Those people kind of, their voice kind of gets quieter and quieter. Yeah, exactly. And all of a sudden, he's a center. Yeah, and like and I said, he's not I, the best center. I don't think teams are just going to prioritize taking a center to begin with. And even if they do, like you mentioned, you mentioned four guys that are much higher on my board than Biotish is. Uh, just because yeah. they're more technically sound, they're a little bit more athletic, and I just think that they played better this year. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think that they're just going to overall test better. And Biotish, I mean, he was a guy that we talked about as interior offensive lineman one coming into the year. 
um, on most accounts, but all of that talk seems, at least from the majority of people, I know a person or two that still is on the hype train, um, <sighs> but we're not going to talk about that right now. But, you know, I just, I think that he doesn't test well this week, and I think all or most of that conversation of him being, you know, the a top two, top three interior offensive lineman really fades quickly, and you see him really start to tumble down boards. Yeah. Uh, a guy who we don't expect to tumble down boards because we think Segway. he has the most to gain this week. Um, moving out of the defensive line, we picked someone who was in Mobile, but we didn't get to see him Sad. because he was injured at the time. And that's Lecky Fotu from Utah. Now, this pick is made with the caveat of if he performs in drills. So the defensive linemen haven't gotten to Indianapolis right now uh, as of recording this. I think they're getting to Indianapolis the morning that this podcast comes out, basically. Um, so we don't know yet if he's going to test or not. We couldn't really find anything saying either way. But I think if he does test, he's going to be a monster. Um, he's built like a tank for starters. Um, we did see him weigh in in Mobile. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I know he's built like a tank because I saw him. <laughs> <laughs> and um, someone who was super disruptive in that Utah defense this year. You know, everyone talks about Bradley and I on that defensive line. You've seen, like, guys have asked, oh, tight ends in the Pac-12 have been asked. I think it was Hunter Bryant and Devin Asiasi from UCLA were asked, like, oh, who's the toughest player you had to go up against? And they both said Bradley and I. And at the Senior Bowl, someone asked Utah guys, you know, if you had to take one teammate with you into the NFL, who would you pick? And everyone that wasn't Bradley and I said Bradley and I. But Bradley and I said Lecky Fotu. So, yeah, hype, like, hype I'm just saying, don't don't ignore this guy. If he te- if he does drills at the Combine, I think you're going to see him shoot up boards. And I think you could see him get as high as, like, interior defensive line four, maybe even three, depending on how good he looks. Yeah, I think that's that's around the range. Um, where I think I've got him at six right now. Um, I haven't updated my rankings in like a couple weeks. I'm doing that as soon as we get off the air because, yeah. you know, what is sleep, right? But, yeah, yeah I think he's someone that is a, a freak from an athletic perspective and from just, you know, a size perspective. The dude is insane. Um, like you talked about, we saw how big the dude was at Mobile. He's, he's big. Um, but he... He's going to be someone that I think, if like you mentioned, if he te- if he's able to test because of the injury, he's going to test a lot better than guys his size. Um, so oh, you're going to sure. see. I mean, it's not even going to be close. Um, so he's going to be someone that, like you said, will shoot up boards, and you'll see the upside there. Um, obviously, we wish him, you know, to stay healthy. Obviously, had the injury, and Moby weren't able to see him work out or do any uh, play, which kind of was disappointing. Um, but barring health, he should be all ready to go and blow a lot of the other defensive linemen really out of the water here. Yeah, for sure. Um, someone who we don't think is going to blow people out of the water is our guy <laughs> that we picked. Us. Yeah, you know, sometimes you just got to repeat back what pe- what you said. And oh, hey, I'm pretty segue. good at that. But anyway... Uh, the player who we picked as the most to lose for the defensive lineman is Raekwon Davis from Alabama. Uh, Raekwon Davis is listed as 6'6", 312. Big dude. For reference, Fotu, who we were just talking about, is 6'5", 337 from his senior bowl measurements. Yeah. 
So while Raekwon Davis is a big dude, and obviously Leckie Foto is a giant, we've talked about this, but like Derek Brown, 6'4", 318 as well. Uh, so Raekwon Davis is someone who could probably afford to even add more weight onto his frame, and I think that might show up at the combine. Um, you know, I don't necessarily think he's even the best mover, despite that fact. I think he's just kind of built very linearly. Linearly? Um, linearly? Yeah. Just kind of plays kind of stiff, plays kind of upright. Um, and I think with, like, the athletic freaks that kind of are, like, surrounding him on the board... You know, he's kind of in that Ross Blacklock, Justin Matabuke, Lecky Fotu tier right now. And I think those guys are going to test a lot better than he will. And then all of a sudden, you know, that might be a little bit reactionary to say, oh, all of a sudden he's the worst of those four, right? Because the tape still, ha- you know, the tape still speaks for itself. But I think you could see him kind of like move down a, t- a spot or two amongst those four and kind of sink down to like that interior defensive lineman six, seven eight range yeah i think with davis this year you know we we i came at least i did came in with high expectations um oh, yeah, definitely. for him i think he was like he was in top two interior defensive lineman coming into the season um and his play was still solid but it wasn't great and a lot of players outperformed him i mean now the defense had a ton of playmakers um per usual but he get, he's going to get lost in the shuffle because I don't think he's going to test overly well. Like you mentioned, the the amount of athletes that are around him in his kind of like tier ranking is insane. You know, you like he oh, fought yeah. to Justin Matabuke. They're going to test a lot better than him. And although, like you mentioned, it might be just jumping the gun a little bit because um, I know we do this all the time. Recency we bias. Never we never learn. At, we, it's just what we do. Recency bias. Yep. Hey, yep. this guy had a crappy combine. All of a sudden, now he's an undrafted guy. That's not what we're saying. You gotta ride the wave. You gotta Pretty ride much, the wave. right? But we do think that the gap has already closed between Davis and a guy like Blacklock or Fotu. Yeah, that definitely. If Fotu and Blacklock simply test better, the gap can kind of be reversed. And now Fotu and Blacklock are the two that are ahead of Davis. Because simply those testing results, when the gaps are that close, that's when those test resu- results will come in uh, into play. Yep. Uh, someone who's going to test very well, at least mm-hmm. I expect him to test very well. Monster. Is our pick for most to gain at edge rusher. I really like this player. I didn't realize until we were in Mobile building a top 150 consensus board that I was the only person that liked this player. Um, that's Julian Aguara from Notre Dame. I personally really like him. I thought coming into the senior bowl week that he was kind of a slightly lesser version of Terrell Lewis, where they're both very athletically gifted, a little bit technically raw, but like will make, will do enough to get drafted highly. And then Terrell Lewis blew up the senior bowl. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to walk that back a little bit. Aquara is probably a little bit worse than I uh, you know, than Lewis than I thought he was. That's fine. But I still think he's going to test very, very well. And I think that that's going to up his draft stock considerably because it's kind of the same deal as we were just talking about with the interior linemen. He's kind of in a tier with a bunch of guys who aren't necessarily great athletes. Um, Curtis Weaver is the one guy who comes to I mind. Was, I was just about to say like, Curtis Weaver. Yeah, where it's kind of like, those are kind of the two guys where once you get out of like the first rounders, 
you know, once you get out of like young Epinesa or Chase on, and then you get kind of into a weird tier where like some people have Zach Bond as an edge and they have him there. Some people, have, you know, then you get like Terrell Lewis, Grossmanos, those kind of guys. And then kind of that next tier is kind of Weaver and Aquara. And Weaver's not very athletic. Nope. Aquara is super athletic. So I feel like if Aquara just blows him out of the water at the combine, all of a sudden he's above Weaver. And then maybe he's even jumping in completely into that next tier, you know, kind of back with the Terrell Lewis's of the world where, like, you might see him at the end of the first round even. Um, strikes me as a player that, you know, the draft community might not be that high on necessarily, but, like, he'll be one of those guys that, like, goes in the second round to the Steelers because the Steelers love taking sparked-up guys, and then everyone will just be confused, and then the Steelers <laughs> will just turn him into an all-pro because they're the Steelers and nothing bad ever happens to them, really. Except and Antonio then we'll Brown. just cry. That doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you pretty much touched on everything. Aquara, my main concern with Aquara is I don't love him in uh, run in run defense, yeah. but the combine doesn't exactly test for run defense. So there's, there's no drills. There's that literally no drills that test for run defense. So the one flaw that I have in his game, he's not going to be tested upon. It's not, this yeah, week. it's not going to so be exposed. It's, it's not going to be exposed. So you're going to see all of these athletic traits, these things that he's good at be heightened and i think to me he's already in that second tier um with uh you know the lewis and gross mottos um, yeah for me too i feel like weaver is kind of just the third tier by himself at this point sure um but yeah i i watched his film and i didn't love aquara's film but i can't deny the traits that he was able to showcase um and i think the combine is going to help him a ton where i think he's going to get pushed into you know the um, late round one conversation, like you can see a team like Baltimore taking taking him, uh, Seattle. Yeah, um, I think those are the two teams that are really natural fits for him if he were to go in round one. Yep. Um, we have another fun name for most to lose. Do you want to try to say this one, or do you want me to do? No, it you you. Uh, hang on, I got this. Tipa yeah. Galilei. How how did I do? Uh, I think that's pretty close. I think it's just Tipa Galea. I don't with know the, for with, sure. With the eye just but... being silent. Yeah, I, I'm not totally sure on that. Anyways. But anyway, <laughs> he is the player that we picked as the most to lose. Um, the main reason for this pick is that the NFL is not going to let him do on-field workouts. Yeah. Uh, he has a 2017 assault arrest that came up. So the NFL said, you can still come to the combine, you can do interviews, you can do medicals, but we're not going to let you do on-field workouts. Uh, this is something that they've done a couple times in the last few years um, with guys who have kind of off the field off field concerns they've said okay you can come we'll let you interview with teams because we think you're a good enough player and like scouts want to see you here but we're not going to put you in the workouts that are on tv because it's a bad image for us or whatever pretty fair i personally think it's dumb let them work out it happened in 2017 uh you know but touchy subject yeah but for him, now it's just like his entire combine week revolves around how these interviews are going to go. And, and all because of the NFL has be precluded him from working out, most of the interviews are going to center around this assault that happened yep. two years ago when this guy was probably, to be quite honest, a different person. Yeah, because, that's, that's fair. You know, like he's only 20, 21, 22. So like when this happened in 2017, he was probably about as old as you are now, Josh. Yeah. And like, I don't know, like, I'm sure most people are aware of this. People change a lot between the ages of 18 and 22. Yeah. So, 
But now he's going to have to answer for that. And that's going to be the entire focus of the week for him, I feel like. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. I think it's going to take away from his on-field um, play. And it's going to create a bigger story out of something that happened three years ago. Um, and I think... 2017 was three years right? ago. Right, it was three years ago, right? right. So Yeah, I'm, yeah. Yeah, math, I'm living right? in the past. But so, like, to me, it's creating an entire week out of something that happened in his past that instead of trying to prove people wrong you know with his field on play that he's you know that made no sense play on the field on field play there you go on field play um it's so early holy crap um with you know with him being able to you know prove doubters wrong on the field he now has to answer questions about something that happened a long time ago and it's really he's not going to be able to have that chance to show that he wants to be an NFL football player. He's not going to have to be put in a corner and answer these tough questions where he might not exactly have all the answers to because it happened so long ago where he's a totally different person, has a different perspective on life. At least I would hope that that's what he would grow to become, you know, in this yeah. stage of his life. Yeah, definitely. Um, moving now. I can pronounce this, this name. On a heavy subject. Oh, can you? Do you want to do it? I, I'm going to do it. Uh, right. For most of the game, we picked Willie Gay Jr. Did I get that one right? I think I got it Yeah, right. yeah, that was good. Um, and the reason we picked him is because, you know, when he was, we've kind of touched on him a little bit in previous episodes. Um, we talked about him pretty recently, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if one of us did a scouts report on him or we drafted him Dolphins in the seventh mark. round. We took him in the seventh round of the Dolphins mark. Perfect. Pretty sure. Um, go watch, go listen to that episode if you haven't already. It's a, it's, it's yeah. a fun one. Um, yeah. But yeah, we picked someone that really wasn't available a ton this year. But when he was on the field, he was a crazy, athletic, productive freak. Um, he's someone that I think is going to test really well. And the main question with him is, is he going to be able to you know, sustain ability to stay on the field? Um, I think that the Combine will showcase all of the traits that he does really well. Um, good range, ability to move around, um, has good speed. I think that it's all about the main question with him was he wasn't on the field a ton. I think it was injury, right? Or was he dismissed from the team? I yeah, can't he, he broke his foot, I think. Yeah, so he, he was hurt. I think he played, what, five games this year? Yes, five games. Yeah, so he played five games this year, got hurt. He wasn't able to, you know, help his stock anymore because he wasn't healthy. And, uh, you know, I think he's now now fully healthy. Um, he's going to be able to sh- show us what he showed us, um, you know, those five games of the season. And I think he's going to be a name that really more people should be talking about. I know I'm a lot higher on him than others, but that's because those five games that he was playing, he was insanely productive. Yeah, definitely. Um, you kind of touched on it, right? Of like, Look just, at me. He was, super, <laughs> he was super productive when he did play. He didn't get to play a lot. Um, it's kind of a lesser version of like the Jalen Smith, Miles Jack situation. Yeah, uh, a couple years back. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, someone who I think is going to test really well as long as he's fully healthy. Um, I think he's going to look really good. Uh, he's a little bit raw for the linebacker position. He's kind of a tweener between a linebacker and a safety, but I think he's too big to play safety at the next level. Um. I've been operating under the assumption 
this whole time that Willie Gay was William Gay's son. I, I was don't too. think that's the case. I don't think it is, but I, I was too. I don't think that's true. Because I remember William Gay as being Willie Gay for some reason. It's just like the, a Mandela effect right, thing. Right, exactly. But I just I was looking it up while you were talking, and I was like, oh, that's not his dad at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, not the son of a former NFL player. Um, but we can bill it that way if you guys want us. Yeah, to. but I mean, if you if you want him to be, then by all means, <laughs> believe it. that he is. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to test really well if he's fully healthy. Obviously, it's a big caveat. Um, he's another guy that's going to have to answer for some off the field stuff. He did uh, get into an altercation with a teammate last off season that resulted in a, I think it was a suspension. It might've just been like some other sort of disciplinary action because it was an off season incident um, that was kind of handled in house. Um, but I, I think that he won't, there's not as much to answer for there. I feel like, um, you can kind of just like chalk that up to competitive spirit, right? I think if you if you want to, um, which I think some teams probably will, as like kind of gross as that feels. Um, yeah, that's fair. But yeah, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna perform well as long as he's healthy enough to perform. Someone that we don't think is gonna <clears throat> perform well. Look at that. I did an Alex Katz hey, segue. Um, yeah, is Evan cheated. Weaver, and. Um, the reason why we don't think he's going to perform that well is because we've talked about this linebacker class as being a bunch of guys that are, you know, super athletic, rangy ability to, you know, stay in coverage. Evan Weaver's not that. He's a tackle machine, um, and the combine is not made for him. He's going to be someone that he's going to hope that his on-field uh, production is going to speak volumes because I don't think he's going to run that well. Um, he, when we saw him in mobile, he wasn't great in coverage. So I don't think you're going to see, um, his fluidity and, uh, mobility be great this week. Um, I think he's someone that's kind of pigeonholed himself into this round four, round five, uh, ish range. And I think if guys that are in that similar range, test a lot better than him because there are these more athletic rangy guys you could see him fall even further down the board yeah definitely weaver is one of those guys who he's a tackling machine but he's a tackling machine because of his mental game because he knows where the ball is going and so his nose for the ball looks really good there's not a drill for that at the combine nope some of these other guys like i'm thinking of like jordan brooks from texas tech they're tackling machines because they're so athletic that they can just get to the ball no matter where it's going. And instincts are kind of like a, an afterthought, right? Um, so like you said, for Weaver, it's going to be kind of a struggle because there's not really a drill per se that's going to like showcase what he does well. Um, and that's just kind of the unfortunate nature of the combine for some of these guys is just like you don't necessarily get to showcase what you're good at right you kind of have to perform in these drills that you don't think you're going to perform well in um obviously again his stock might fall further for the community than for actual nfl teams because again we don't have access to the interviews we don't have access to the whiteboarding we don't have access to any of that stuff so we can kind of only really go off of what we see on nfl network this week um but I don't think what we're going to see on NFL Network from Weaver is going to be anything special. 
Yeah, and like I said, I like Evan Weaver just because I oh yeah, me too. I really like guys that have strong mental game. We've talked about this before yeah. Yeah, um, right. on the podcast, but not a lot of NFL teams will value that, and some will value it more than others. Um, the combine just is not built for guys that can dissect a offense and be a guy that can just find the ball. It's meant for athletic rangy guys that can put up fast 40 numbers and that's just you know the name of the game and we were just not going to benefit from that um we're now on to our last position which is dbs and uh the guy we picked most to gain is uh well alex you're very familiar with uh grayland arnold i am uh he played for baylor which believe it or not is in the big 12 (laughs) Which is the conference I wrote about this season. Aren't you like the uh, lead guys, Big 12 writer? Isn't I am crazy? technically the lead Big 12 analyst. I wasn't last season, but I am this season. Look at that. So <clears throat> watch out for that. If you have any complaints about our Big 12 content, please direct them to at joshberg0611. Grayland Arnold is someone who we put as the most to gain, not necessarily because he's going to test overtly well or because he's going to look really good on the field, but just because simply being at the combine is going to make more people aware of him. Um, kind of a surprise declaration. Um, obviously, a lot of the guys, those guys from Baylor that were kind of on the fence about declaring decided to jump into the NFL after Matt Rule left. You saw this with him, with James James Lynch. Uh, Hasty's a senior. I think Bravion Roy might have declared, but I think he's a senior as well. Um, so, like, a, lo- a couple guys that made that jump. And so people... I don't think we're prepared for Arnold to declare. And I so as a result, I've seen a lot of people either just flat out ignoring him or saying things about his game that I don't necessarily agree with because I don't feel like they've watched the full product. Um, and I feel like just him being at the combine, and I think he's going to test in kind of the middle of the pack, but I think in doing so, people are going to be like, oh, I remember that that guy declared. I don't know anything about him. I'm going to go back and I'm going to learn about him before the actual draft, because it looks like he's kind of in this middle tier of defensive backs that I, you know, and I really like this guy and he tested pretty similar to that guy. So maybe I'll like him too. Yeah. He's someone that I think we're both higher on than, uh, others, but I I, I also think like you mentioned, it's because none of us expected him to declare. So those that didn't expect him to declare, didn't watch him. So now they're trying to catch up before, Right. Um, you know, the NFL draft. So they're pushing him higher on the watch list, all these things. Yeah, I think you've pretty much hit it spot on. I think once they become familiar with the type of player he is, I think that's why he's going to gain the most is because people are, he's going to become a talking point. He's going to be put in these tier three, I think around that range of the DBs yeah. is about where he's going to be, whether you have him listed that's as a corner true. or a safety, you know, either way. I think he's a corner more than he is a safety. Um, yeah. But he's going to be in like the middle tiers of that. And I think. You know, I think he can go round three and be a really productive player. Yeah, definitely. Uh, someone who's also kind of a tweener between corner and safety, which is why we kind of mash this group into just defensive backs. They also all train together at the combine, so it's easy. Uh, that's Shaheem Carter from Alabama. This pick was made because there are like there's one outcome if Carter tests poorly. He either tests poorly in comparison to corners, and you say, okay, I can't play him at corner. He's a pure safety. Or, or he tests poorly in comparison to the safeties, and you say, okay, I can't play him at safety. He's a corner. But if he's a corner, he's only a nickel corner. Yeah. Like, he, 
he's not an outside corner. You're never going to play him outside. And slot corners just don't have that high of a ceiling in the draft. You know, obviously, I love Miles Bryant, right? Miles Bryant is, I think, the best slot corner in this draft. But Miles Bryant is, and Miles Day Bryant three. cannot play on the outside Day because three. he's five six or something. You know, he's very <laughs> small. I think he's closer to five eight. But I'll give him some credit. I but yeah, he's going to go on day three because he's pure slot corner. He's not going to do anything else for you. And so for Carter, I don't really know how he's going to test. But if he tests, like I said, if he tests poorly in comparison to one of those two groups, then it kind of pushes him into the other group, right? And if he tests poorly in comparison to both of them, then what are you supposed to do with him? And obviously he could test well in comparison to both of them. But then in that case, you run into the, the dilemma of where, where are you going to play, play him? him? Yeah. Right? And we've seen NFL teams are scared of those guys. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson fell all the way to the fourth round. He still, shouldn't have. Still can't believe he it. Should, he absolutely shouldn't have. But teams didn't know where they were going to play him. And so he oh, fell all the way man. to the fourth round. Yeah. Um, and that same thing is going to happen with Carter. NFL teams are scared of this versatility if it's not a game-breaking guy yeah. at this point in time. Miles Bryant is listed at 5'9 on the University of Washington website. Whether that is accurate mm-hmm. or not, I have no idea. But It's not. I've seen him on campus. Um, but that is what he's listed at. I think he's more around 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, but I, yeah. we'll, I don't, His, we'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, you, you really touched on it. You know, Shane Carter's a guy that I really want to like. Um, and I do. I still think he's a solid player. Um, it's just I, he doesn't excel at any specific thing. So like you kind of mentioned, if he tests poorly compared to corners then he's a safety if he doesn't test well as a safety then he's a corner and if he doesn't test well both then he's a what a special teamer so what exactly what where are you going to value a special team guy you're not um and he's also i think he is the guy that gets lost in the alabama secondary um jared main's obviously not at the combine but i think his film was better than shame carter was yeah and I think he offers more upside as far as uh, where you're going to play him on the field. Carter is just someone that, like you mentioned, is going to kind of get lost in. I think I think NFL teams are going to overthink Shyam Carter because, like you mentioned, if they don't have this game-breaking versatility, like say Isaiah Simmons does, then right, exactly. they're just going to get. They're just going to think he can't play anything. Um, right. because he's not great at one skill set. Now, while that might be true, I think having a guy like Carter on your team with the versatility that that you can allow to coach him up and become a better player at one of those facets, but I just don't think that he's going to test overly well to give NFL teams like a clear picture for where yeah. he's going to play. And I think that's what's Definitely. going to hurt him a little bit. Definitely. Um, that wraps it up for our combine preview. Obviously, we didn't focus on the special teams. If you're dying for the special teams preview, head over to home. I wrote about the special teams. It's, <laughs> yep. It should be out on Friday morning. I'm going to say, uh, the day before they start testing. Uh, go to wholenightsports.com. In the meantime, read all of our other combine previews that we're coming out with. We're kind of rolling them out as testing begins. So, as you're hearing this, quarterback running back and wide receiver should all already be on the site check out our other content too we got an xfl review josh had a mock draft uh brandon wrote a really nice piece about say and darius anderson and mason lebeau wrote an article about 
some top ten the mock top draft 10 fits, fits that he does not like. Um, I saw Jesse's that. got a that free agency preview on the running backs, so we got a whole bunch of stuff. There, there's got to be something that you like, there's and if you do be... like it, if you do like it, make sure that you consider donating to either the GoFundMe or the Patreon that we have, so that we can continue to bring you that content that you like, um, and also expand so that we can make again, like Joshua at the top. We want to make this into our full-time gig. Um, you know, if you want to help make that happen, please do. Uh, we appreciate all of your support, monetary or otherwise. I think I'm just going to leave it at that. That was pretty good. Uh, you know, I plug the social medias. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to, Alex did a great job at the end. We're just going to leave it at that. Um, that's going to do it for this episode. If you guys want, uh, like I said, more information on the Patreon or GoFundMe, go over to the whole nine sports, Twitter page at whole nine sports or, the website, homelinesports.com. Go read my mock draft. Go over to the Reddit, uh, the subreddit, and crap all over it like everyone else does. It's fine. I'm fine. Make a burner account on r slash NFL draft and tell them that every pick sucks like I did. Yeah, pretty much. So, <laughs> hey, it's fine. Um, we're tired. We've got a couple more stuff we've got to do. But we appreciate, like Alex said, we appreciate all the support. Um, the amount of growth that we've had ever since the two of us have started has been tremendous um oh yeah we we got to do a mobile senior bowl trip we've got to do a ton of stuff thanks to the support that we've gotten so we really do appreciate it so until the next episode i am josh berg signing out for alex katzen and we will see you guys on the next one good night